It's episode 39. This week I speak with Bill Beaumont, director of Distant Future Animation Studio in Bradford, working for clients including the BBC, the NHS, Trainline.com and West Ham United. He's got over 10 years experience designing and producing motion graphics, 3D animation and post-production. We discuss quick throwaway content, we discuss tools for teenagers wanting to get into animation, 2D versus 3D and the exciting launch of Unreal Engine 5. Distant Future has recently adopted GPU rendering for all of their 3D work and we find out how that speeds production processes up. Please enjoy the episode and thanks for being a fab listener. Support me by subscribing and telling your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to another live q and uh, I'm with Bill Bowman. How are you, Bill? I'm good, thank you, Johnny. Here. Yeah, really good, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me today. You're the founder and director of Distant Future Animation Studio. Um, you set that up. How many years ago did you set that up, Bill? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I was one of two founders. Um, but uh, It was, we officially launched in February 2011. And, and what... What got you into animation? What was the was the was there something prior to? I assume there was something prior to setting up this business. Yeah, there was. Well, um, I was thinking back, and it was actually something that's, I guess, always. I, I remember being a young teenager and messing around on some software that my dad had, had on a computer. Then it was, it was an old Amstrad. It had. Uh, it was one of those screens, a big CRT cube, and it was green. Well, different shades of green and black. And that was it. And he had a light pen and I was drawing Star Destroyers and things. And then found he had a, a copy of a bit of software called Autodesk Animator. And I remember making four little animations, which I can't, I can't find now. They're long gone. That was 30 plus years ago. Um, <laughs> but um, it didn't really come as a career thing until much, much later, probably about 16 years later. But uh, I finished day levels and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. My sixth form tutor said, um, oh, you should be a primary school teacher. You'd be quite good at that. And literally, I thought, well, he's right. I mean, first, I can find the end of a roll of sellotape. So that's meant to be good for teachers. I've heard that's a good skill. And I thought, okay, teaching primary education, maths and English, that sounds quite easy. <laughs> so, okay, let's be a primary school teacher. And unsurprisingly, that didn't work out. Not great motivations for starting a career. Um, but then drifted back to computer studies and um, finished Sunderland University in 2001. Um, after a good few years, I got myself a 2-1. Um, I, could, I could do all of the computer things. Uh, they made sense. But uh, it wasn't really, I, I knew it wasn't my passion, even though I could do it. Um, but I did some IT support roles in various companies for a couple of years. And then... Me and my missus went to, and we took our daughter actually, to China for a year and Taiwan for two years teaching English. And it was while I was watching Monsters, Inc. with my daughter 
um, two years into our three-year trip that uh, uh, I realized, hang on a minute, this is done with computers and I love this. I, I could do this, I could do this. And um, so enrolled on the MA at Bradford and um, yeah, completed that 12-month course. I was a lot more focused as a student because it was something that I, I wanted to do. Um, finished that with a distinction and a BBC award. And then, yeah, freelance for a little bit. Um, bumped into a chap called Steve at an event called Animated Yorkshire, which was sadly now defunct. But, um, yeah, we were both in a similar position. We were both uh, kind of struggling, starting out freelancers. Thought, okay, well, let's get together. Let's get an office and let's start a company. So, yeah, that was, as I say, February 2011 was when we officially started. It wasn't a, an Amstrad one to eight, was it? Back in those days, yeah. I, I I had one of those. Yes, it was. Was exactly it really right. with a big with a cassette? Yeah, thing on the right hand side. Yeah, yeah. Coloured buttons to oh. play and record. Yes, that was my I first. Step up from computer. the spectrum where you had to have the wires going from the tape player into the machine, which seemed very very unreliable. Those red and blue. But did you ever have one of those? A no. Oh, oh no. yeah. Loading was was. Uh, Always a bit of a gamble. We weren't sure if it was going to work, but the, that Amstrad just seemed to just uh, nail it, and it did work. Then we graduated oh. to floppy disks, and yeah. oh, the technology, the technology, Johnny. I loved my Amstrad. Uh, so thanks for thanks for uh, watching or listening. Thanks for joining us. Just to say, uh, you're welcome to ask Bill any questions. We're live on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, and we are also, uh, as a podcast, this will get turned into a podcast. So if you're listening on the podcast right now, thanks for listening as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about 2D and 3D animation uh, and just, you know, some of the things that uh, Distant Future Animation Studio have, have been involved in and uh, and 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 just some of the, the, the reasons why uh, clients choose animation and 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 you know we're we're also going to talk about the future of animation and, and that sort of whole thing of potentially throwaway content uh n not ideal the 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 wording of that because uh, you know mm. no one would ever want to throw your content away i'm sure i know yeah as the as the, as the kind of uh, the artist involved creating your work you never want to be thought of it as the throwaway content but uh, yeah you no know, but but the reality is, uh, you know, an Instagram story lasts for 24 hours. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's uh, that's something that we all have to uh, take on board. You mentioned that you uh, won an, uh, a BBC award. That must have been quite cool. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was um, for the final piece that I did. It was a BBC Creates and Production Award. Um, yeah, it was pre presented by Peter, somebody who I wasn't sure from uh, the BBC. <laughs> and I got a, a piece of crystal which the university kept <laughs> i didn't even get to keep that but uh, having that was was really good it didn't get me a job at pixar though i thought it would i applied i applied straight out of university got turned away and that was the end of my job search really i just thought right fine i'll do it myself but you you have had i mean it, so going back to that monsters inc that there was obviously a passion there you have been uh, had the joy of doing some film and TV stuff. You did uh, Pixar's Red Render Man, but uh, you you had well, a license with them. Just tell me more about that. That to be fair, Render Man is a, is a piece. It's a tool that they uh, that they that they create for people to make three D content with. So um, it's 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 something we used on. It's one of those. It is TV work, but it's so locked down with NDAs. I can't tell you anything yeah. about it, but yeah. I can tell you that we um, used Renderman 
to create final images for products for some very famous kids' TV properties. So if it's on the side of a lunchbox or if it's a poster on a bus stop somewhere, then um, it's a possibility if it's that particular, those particular characters, we might have made that image. But that must have been quite cool. Do you, do you think, do you think, you know, this is, this is where you you are, or, or do you think you'll ever go on to creating the next Monsters, Inc.? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. I mean, one of the things that we've been doing, well, everything that we've been doing for the last 10 years has been for other other people, other companies, other organizations. And um, at that 10-year point, you start looking at, okay, what's, 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 what are you going to do in the next 10 years? And um, I'd like to get to a size where we've got enough revenue and turnover coming in from the commercial work where we can always have our own capacity to be working on our own content. So going back to university, people are watching Monsters, Inc. They're watching all of the, everybody wants to be a character animator. Nobody, or very few people, when they're at university, when they're initially finding that passion, think, okay, I would love to do a fantastic animation about commercial air conditioners, or <laughs> um, I would love to do, I mean, this one's a bit nicer, but like a, a quick 10 second character animation of a guy waving and that's it. There's more to people's initial creativity that gets them into the industry, which perhaps might get lost along the way. Because anytime you have a passion which you turn into work, it does turn into work. And I still do count myself as very lucky that I get to come to work and do all of this. Um, but there's certain, as I say, that certain side of creativity which don't always get to get used on the commercial work that we do. So we are looking to start making our own content. What that content exactly looks like is probably something narrative driven or just something a bit more artistically explorational, which I know isn't a word, <laughs> um, but something that gets to explore that side of it as well. So we'll see where that goes. I'm not sure about the next Monsters Inc. because that's teams of hundreds of people over five, six, seven, eight years. And we're a team of six at the moment. So I, I like the idea that I like the idea that you're open to doing your own content. And I think that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's, as you say, you know, once you've done 10 years, it does make you reflect and, and think. And, uh, and I like that you're, you're th you are thinking about that. You, um, you've obviously opened lots of doors because, uh, you've, you received uh, a substantial grant. You won a, a digital, uh, enterprise award as well. And, and some of this was around you converting from, um, from what you're using traditional computers with cpus to adopting gpu rendering um for those that aren't aware of gpu just uh just explain that for me because that makes a significant difference it, it you can speed up your projects by 30 or 40 percent can't you yeah 30 40 might be a possible slight exaggeration but definitely makes an impact but basically a gpu is a graphics card which will stick into a pc or other computer and that's basically the bit of the computer which puts the pretty pictures on the screen. So um, before that, uh, this mostly refers to 3D content, but it would be the, the main brain of the computer that was, that was working at the central processing unit, CPU. And they're um, accurate, but not as fast as they could be. Um, the GPU, maybe from about oof, five, six years ago, was starting to get fast enough and accurate enough that you could 
output your final 3D content in a much, much quicker and more interactive way. So um, yeah, when we were talking before, uh, I think it wasn't even today, it was when we were talking um, last month uh, at, the, at the Top 100 panel, um, that uh, there was a project before, maybe about just before we moved to the GPU rendering, where we'd done all the production, everything had been signed off, and then you create the final version of the video. And to create that final video that was maybe 90 seconds long, we needed to put all our computers in the room, working solidly for about 14 days, hoping nothing went wrong, <laughs> and then you've got your final output. Whereas now, um, it's overnight. There's, there's a project, project we were working on yesterday, which was to uh, basically be delivered this morning, at five o'clock last night, I noticed there was a bit of a problem with it, and that problem carried over to a good few of the shots in the animation. So we were able to sort it out, um, tweak it, re-render it, get all the final movies output, and it was delivered by eight o'clock this morning. So thank God for that, <laughs> because not only does it help you out of those tight spots, it also helps you produce content more quickly, which makes it more cost-effective for clients. Um, it also means you can get a better standard a better visual quality of the work um, because you, you've got more time and more power to do those developmental iterations which improve what you're looking at so you you do a lot of 2d and 3d so there's, there's quite a mix between the two of uh, 3d i think is more of a a, a luxury product um there's certainly a um more significant investment what are the different what are the different use cases between them what's the what what do you find that your clients head towards for and, and what are their reasons for choosing uh 2d and 3d and what are the main differences what 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 um you know do, do companies need 3d do organizations need 3d that's the question i guess um some do most the, the best way and what we always recommend is go for the most cost effective way of getting your messaging across so just to tangent off slightly, um, there's no point in uh, having a four minute video when you could have something that's perhaps one minute but gets all the messaging across in a more direct, effective way. One minute of content is definitely more cost effective to create than four minutes of content. And it works the same with 2D and 3D. Typically at the moment, um, if anybody's listening to this as a podcast five years down the line, prices may change. But uh, 2D content might cost, let's say, from around £2,000 per minute of finished, uh, of finished animation. And that might include the design, the storyboards, the voiceover, the animation, and so on and so on. So on. Um, 3D, it typically starts around £3,000 per minute. So instantly you've got about 50% more cost. But what you can do with 3D is typically you... You can get, a, say, character work. You can do more with your characters. Like, for example, podcast listeners, this won't work, but that would be really difficult to do in 2D. You can't easily get somebody rotating all the way around or turning and doing things. There are cheats you can do to make it work, but depending on, say, what you wanted to do with your content on screen would determine whether if you're going to go for 2D and 3D. Um, as an example, say if you... Well, the, the majority of the 3D work that we do tends to be product-based. So if you have a physical product that you want to see around the inside of, you want to look at it from above, you want to find those cool kind of cinematography, mm -hmm. 
LED camera angles. Um, you want to have different lighting, which shows you the uh, different finishes across the different parts of this object, this product, whatever it may be, then you need to do that in 3D. You can't, you wouldn't be able to do that anywhere near as successfully in, in 2D. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah the what you're showing and what you want to show will definitely drive that decision as well. But uh, yeah, typically if there's a message to get across, which is the core of what we do, we get people's messages across. Um, that can be done um, with all sorts of energy and style and impact in two D for less cost. Uh, for those uh, listening, Bill was spinning on his chair, by the way. I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, we were talking just before we started, and uh, you were quite excited with uh, Unreal Engine 5 coming out. And how that was going to open uh, a lot more doors. Just talk to me about some of the, what you've seen there and, uh, and what, uh, what you think, uh, what, what's going to be made easier there. Yeah, well, it's oh, sorry. It, again, it comes down to uh, perhaps speed of production and uh, what you can what you can put on screen. But um, um, it, it's it started off as a game engine, so a lot of the uh, kind of high end console games or high end PC games would have, could, would have been created in Unreal. Um, Unreal Engine Four has been around for quite a few years now. I'm sorry, Ham. I should have muted that. You should have. <laughs> Next time, warn people, remind people in the pre-show. Uh, but there we go, that's off. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, so... You were saying Unreal 4, Engine, it? Um, yeah. yeah, we looked at Unreal Engine 4, but there was a, a, a pipeline issues. So basically, working in the software we use, getting it into Unreal Engine, caused a few problems and a few issues. And they may well be there in Unreal Engine 5, but the real leap forward that everybody's talking about at the moment is the fact that while things at the moment might look a bit computer gaming in a computer game, um, Unreal Engine uh, has implemented a couple of technologies which in a way kind of take that away. And just the level of detail that you can put on screen as a live environment and walk around, it's, it's, it is a massive generational leap forward in terms of what graphics technology can do. Um, if anybody just Googles Unreal 5 demo, uh, you'll find a few on YouTube. And it is, it is really astounding. It's, um, it's, while certain games and things might have looked pretty much photo real before, if anyone's played Red Dead Redemption 2, that was astounding. But um, Unreal Engine 5 is like the next step forward for that. For people like us, it's really exciting because you can basically use it for free, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and we're going to be very much looking at how we can incorporate that into our 3D workflow to increase the quality of what we do and increase what we can offer to our clients. Explain why uh, you can use it for free, sorry? It's just the way that um, uh, the company behind it, that's their... That's their business so, model. So is that so is that available for anyone? Yes. Um, typically, they get their money from those large AAA game releases. So they make because, they take a percentage out of say the Call of Duties or whatever, and then for as I think it will probably change later on. But because they're trying to diversify their customer base and get it into more areas, yeah, you can, people like us can use it at no cost. Um, but yeah, how long that remains in place is, is yet to be seen. Because I was going to ask you a question, and it's sort of, it, it, now's the time to ask it. Uh, for people 
you know, I'm I'm even thinking sort of uh, children, teenagers for um, for people that are, are sort of looking to perhaps get into animation and and think they have some kind of skill with animation. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the software that you would recommend that they should start getting familiar with? And and because you know, I asked this question because in a lot of cases. Um, young people are not familiar with with so many pieces of software until they're in the workplace mm-hmm. and and they miss all of those years of getting familiar with different things so if you were to sort of rewind and uh, you know at your former self when you were sort of 15 16 and and you had the the software that's available right now mm-hmm. what would you suggest that sort of age group should start playing with um, it depends on what kind of animation they wanted to do, but we'll keep it simple and keep it divided between 2D and 3D. Um, for, uh, for 3D, there's um, a piece of software called Blender, which is, again, completely free. It's been free since it was created 10 plus years ago. It's going to remain free forever. Um, they rely on basically um, subscribes and donations to do it. Uh, I watched a, an interview with the Dutch pretty sure he's Dutch, Dutch guy who created it. And he said, yes, it's always going to be free. It's free forever. He doesn't want to be filthy rich. He just wants to make an awesome tool for everybody to use. And we're actually, we've had our eye on that for a couple of years as well. And we're now making the move to that. Um, we have been using Autodesk Maya before. We're now moving on to Blender because as a tool, it's there. And you can do uh, professional level work with it. Um, it's stable. And it's, it's free, which beats £1,750 per year for a commercial license of Maya per user. So as we grow, um, we've got, we can bring more people in at a lower cost. They can install the software perfectly legally at home and work on it there. Um, so it lifts a lot of business restrictions for us and solves some productivity issues, as well as saving us thousands, thousands of pounds a year. And I think more companies will start to bring Blender in. So the Ubisoft is a massive games company and they use Blender now. That was one of their kind of poster companies that they shouted about a couple of years ago saying, look, they're using Blender. Um, but yeah, that's going to continue and it's going to expand. So the earlier that somebody who was at home, 15, 16 years old, could get into that software, they will have to that say, was, was that Five years later, they'll, they'll, they're going to be able to start finding jobs. Was that for two D? Was, was that two D or three D? Sorry, primarily three D, but you can and, make two D stuff in there, although and, it's not a traditional two D production package. And if we were looking at two D, what where would you be uh, suggesting? Uh, TV Paint is very popular for a, a lot of TV shows of that style. Is used, uh, created using that. So if it was a character based thing. Um, TV paint could be well worth a look. I'm not sure on the pricing for that. Um, but then another one that's used industry-wide for all sorts of 2D content and effects work and everything else is After Effects. And um, they, I'm sure they do have educational licenses, but I mean, it's on its own, I think it's 22 quid a month. Yeah. So uh, it's a couple of hundred quid a year, which if you've got a... a, a if you have a family who can support you a bit in that, it's it's not paying £1,750 a year every year for Maya. Although, to be fair, they have a reduced um, costing now, which 
it's, it's a little bit annoying when you hear about this 1750 quid going down to 300 quid but it's for companies who um, are just that much smaller than you <laughs> uh, if only it was three years ago then we could have used that but hey hey that's uh, just the gripes of a business owner really but uh, yeah after effects uh, absolutely blender would be a great place to start because it's 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 a great tool and it's completely free uh tv paint um those would be a good good three um but what you're saying is that is that the the big one that uh that is exciting for the industry right now is unreal engine 5 uh you were saying that there's a uh, architects uh it's quite big in 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 the architect world uh, mm-hmm. as well um uh, what's um is, is there anything else that we should know about that or um uh anything else that um where is it out is it out now yes it's been out for two weeks it's okay for two weeks so yeah you're starting to get all those demos and tutorials and things on youtube in terms of a starting package, um, I think if you were, if you wanted to create games, if you were going to go into the game side of it, then look at Unreal Engine uh, perhaps first. But if you were going down more of an animation route, then I wouldn't suggest Unreal Engine as, as a starting place because it's it's uh, it's it's not really that kind of tool. The, the other ones I mentioned would be much better for that. So here's a question for you, Bill. Is it all about the software and the tool, or is it about the creative mind? Yeah, I mean that's it, and that's uh, it's more and more um, content is being artist-led. So one of the things that we did about four years ago is we we started to work a lot more with first graphic designers, but then I found illustrators were a better fit. Um, so working with illustrators to help define the style of something, um, finding and driving that creative thinking, which then goes into uh, how you use the tools. I mean, if you think of anything, like think of a, a carpenter or any kind of craftsperson or a chef or anybody who uses any tools, yes, you've got the tools, but how you use them ultimately affects if the end product is good or not. Have you got you, you mentioned storyboarding earlier and, and that's obviously a, a very important part of the process. Have you got any tips on uh storyboarding on 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 where to start and how to how, any any key things that that help make that process the outcome better? Yes, uh, uh don't start with the storyboards. Um start with what you want to figure out what you want to say. And then just think about how you want to show that on screen and write it down. So typically for a project for us, we'll uh, work on a client with a script, well, sorry, work with the client on a script, uh, have that planned out so we know exactly what they want to say, and then take that into a written treatment. So it'll, it'll just be a document. There'll be two columns down the left-hand side. There'll be the first line of the script. And on the right-hand side, there's the description of the action on screen. And then you do that for the whole script and send that, and then you review that with the client, ideally with some design work that's going on at the same time. So you've got some ideas of how it's going to look. But the reason for doing that is it's, it's so much quicker to update a paragraph of text than it is to go into your storyboards, possibly re-illustrate that scene, um, do all the composition and everything, 
and then present that and they go, actually, that idea is not working. We don't like that. So then you have to redraw everything. If you've got a line and a half of text, you just press delete, 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 type, 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 job done. So just pre-plan it. So really basic, what, are you tr- what message are you trying to get across? What's the, what's the wording that you're wanting to use? And then split that wording up into um, different sections of yeah. what you think might happen. Uh, line by line moments. or bullet points or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, initially it might feel like a, uh, an, an unnecessary extra step. Oh, I just want to get into the storyboards. That's where you start, isn't it? But it's, like I said, updating storyboards will slow you down compared to updating a written treatment. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about um, the differences between 2D and 3D. Um, and, um, uh, and and one of the things that we were insinuating we were going to talk about was throwaway content. I can only assume that that would have to be 2D um because otherwise no i mean sorry to 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 butt in but uh, we're actually um starting to make our own i I can't say throwaway content because you you put your you put your heart into what you do and it's disposable content is i still don't even like that yeah yeah you don't like to think of your content of content of the of the now Yeah, reusable content, quick reusable. content. Quick yeah. content. How about that? I like quick content. I like that. Um, but what we ideally want to do is um, finesse what we do so we can get uh, content which can be made in sort of a day or less. So typically, uh, say an animation project, if it's a larger project, let's say a shorter one might take a week to create, but that's going to carry a four-figure price on it. And businesses are never going to, apart from maybe some massive, huge global clients, um, are not going to have that kind of budget to throw away. Um, so we are refining what we do, refining our offer, and refining our processes so we can create content within one day, which is then reusable. Um, so this includes 3D. The one that we're working on at the moment, um, one of our employees, Tom, he's, we've actually just hired him, um, has come up with a concept for a series of um, images which have um, various uh, pain points or various... uh, It goes down to sort of mental health route, so mental health issues, which starts off with a short 3D animation, then a bit of an explanation about it. So the 3D animation is like a a metaphorical representation of that... uh, of an issue, and then it talked briefly about the issue. But yeah, we want to get that down to one day or less. So we, we started off simple. We started off using our branding. So we've got a little rocket who we're quite happy with. We really like him or her. Not sure, gender non-specific. Well, um, but, but yeah, we're reusing that model in different ways. Um, so you can kind of create a series of content reusing certain assets to help bring that cost down, bring the reusability up, and uh, make it a lot more cost effective but yeah as long as the content is kept relatively simple then yeah 3d is still a go but it's about creating something that's impactful um it's it's ideally you're going to get something shared um ideally it'll go viral although that is a one in a million terminology which i think it's it's overused you know it's true viral stuff is very very rare but you've got a lot more chance of having that success, uh, the sharing and the impact. If your content is a little bit maybe, 
I'll even say off-brand, which maybe we're failing on at this point, but uh, um, something that's quirky and interesting or perhaps has a purpose. I'm really pleased that Tom's come up with this idea um, of the purpose behind the content, because first when I set it to set, set it, the, the brief to him, it was just about creating something visual and let's do it in a day. Let's make it nice, let's make it fun. Um, but it was his idea to bring in the the extra meaning behind it, so the uh, the mental health aspect or the other issue behind the image and building that in. So it's not just a pretty picture, it's a pretty picture with a purpose. So that's going to, it's going to register a lot better with a lot more people. Um, it's it's more useful. I mean, if, if, anybody, if any of the things that we've got planned help brightens anybody's day a little bit or helps give them some direction out of a tight spot, then that would be beautiful. I'd love that. That'd be great. Rather than just, oh, there's a pretty picture. It, are we talking about uh, quite short content here as well? So we're we talking sort of uh, just a few seconds. What what are we typically in that quick content? What are we sort of thinking is the, the length of this content? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the shorter, the better. Uh, uh, TikTok sort of length. Uh, maybe you've got five, ten seconds perhaps. But um, something that somebody can see and then go, oh, Maybe, yeah, maybe five, ten seconds. But another thing we're trying to do with some of the ideas is make it loopable. So it might be five seconds of actual animation. Uh, we've got a whack-a-mole thing going on, and that's actually just going to loop seamlessly. So even though we've yeah. only made five seconds of content, you could play it. You might, people might get have had enough of it after about, say, four plays through. It's 20 seconds still a short amount of time, but you've got five seconds of content, which is more cost effective to produce but can give you more impact the, yeah, and, uh, um, uh, is there a split between the work that you do right now um so if you if you now think about just the the main work that you do um is it is there a split between internal and external words i'm trying to think of where the content that you're creating is used so is it website is it social is it internal is it external is it is it just a full mix or what would you say the split is with with organizations how they use content um, mostly ex it's external in terms of the content that we make. Um, the internal uh, content tends to be training content, which we've done. Uh, we've done a suite management training animations for Hitachi. Uh, we did something for Trainline, which kind of explained their organizational structure and how the different teams get involved. And that was, uh, that was a 2D animation, which we uh, did for them. It was about 13 minutes altogether, but they wanted to be able to give people across the organization a bit of perspective as to how all of the other departments fit together. So you get that kind of cohesiveness. So we do projects like that, but then uh, a lot of them tend to be uh, marketing materials. A lot of that's for online at the moment. Things for expos as well, um, as they come back, uh, people can use the same content that's on the website for expos or sales meetings, but generally it's either marketing content that goes out or um, we've done quite a bit of uh, public messaging content for North Yorkshire County Council, for example, recently. So where they want to tell people about 5G rollouts or information about the devolution bid. So uh, again, that's from an organization going out. Uh, the NHS is pretty much all internal, uh, or it's for a select group of, of, of patients who only they will get to see it. So that's sort of external, but very much locked down and not something yeah. that we can show or talk very much about. The um, 
yeah, sorry, I got I got uh, lost for a second there. Um, I, I apologize. Um, the I was just thinking of the uh, the 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 use cases of the content um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the. Uh, um, <laughs> apologies bill complete no, no, apologies. No, no, no. <laughs> so I, I was just thinking of the the use cases so the internal and external and and so the council that for example the council that are are, uh, are using that content i the reason i guess the simple reason that they are using this for external content is that it's just so much more engaging and and, and more easy to understand than you know putting out a press release or putting out a a, a blog to, a blog content that what you're doing is bringing a subject to life and and helping people um really engage with that subject and that that's you know we all prefer going to the 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 movies or watching tv than we do reading books don't get me wrong there's a proportion of people that love reading books but at the same time if you look at the numbers we're with we're a tv nation aren't we um and um and and it's that's what that animation gives you and it gives you the ability to to, so I can I can understand why organisations invest in this, and is is that what that that's I assume what people are after engagement. Absolutely, yeah. Because like I said, it again, comes down to having a message that you want to be received by somebody else, which I say is the core of what we do. Yeah. Uh, the with the North Yorkshire example, the uh, anima- first animation that we did for them, they put up on their YouTube, and they did uh, a bit of promoting and sent links out to it the same way that they do with all of the rest of their video content. And uh, we had a look at the YouTube channel just to see how our work performing. And um, looking back over three years, typically their videos would get between, say, 50, 70, maybe a couple of hundred views. Um, then there were some that was uh, around, say, the 3,000 views, somewhere around that. Um, it's I was after six weeks, I think I had 94,000 views wow. and you can go on North Yorkshire County Council and see if you scroll down and I was the one with a great big number next to it and wow. um, so it's there was something in something to be said about the subject as well maybe it was a particularly emotive subject but yeah of course I put that to them and they said no no it's the animated content everybody loves it so I thought, okay great let's get that quote on the website but absolutely yeah, from the best performing ones of all of their issues that they've talked about for the last three years Four years was about three thousand people, and the animation got ninety-four thousand. So, yes, that supports your point. I'm very glad you asked that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a brilliant number, and I love that. And yeah, it's, it's great, great to, you know, and that's really important to have captured that because so many organisations forget asking for feedback from their clients and then using testimonials and case studies and all sorts of stuff. And and what you're saying there is, you know, from the horse's mouth, they've said it's the animation. So that's brilliant. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so, so my understanding is that you work really well with uh, manufacturers and councils and, and other organizations, but you also work extremely well with uh, marketing and, and communications agencies, film production companies. Um, what's, um, you know, it, so I was just thinking if, if people like that are watching or listening uh, Bill, what's the best way to contact you? Where, where are you found online? Well, LinkedIn's always good. You'll find, me, you'll find me on LinkedIn or at distantfuture.co.uk. You can uh, reach us through the website. There's a little chat box and there's a, the contact details on there. But uh, yeah, regarding those uh, agency type clients or, or even manufacturers, we are really keen to reach out and start talking to people more about this uh, quick content the disposable throwaway content, uh, because it's it's something that larger organisations have been doing 
for a little while, but we want to create something where it's a lot more accessible for for all kind of businesses. And those agency uh, agencies could be a really good partner for us to help develop that offer. Yeah, no, I would I would have absolutely thought so. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, and I, and I and I, not only is it accessible, but I think even for large organisations, it's something else that they need as well. So you know they might invest in a you know a, a significant investment on a on a big piece of animation, but actually you know they'd still need that quick content as well anyway. So I think I think for you it opens two different doors, uh, and it's a it's a good move forward. It sounds really exciting, uh, and um, uh, it's it's been it really interesting to hear uh, how all this works and some of the stories and and some of the the tools that you use, um, and um, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. No, uh, Bill, so, so just to remind people, just name the website again for me. It's distantfuture.co.uk. And we'll put that in the uh, the show notes. Uh, really, thank you so much for joining me, Bill, today. Uh, and um, if people do have any further questions, uh, you can contact me. I can put you in touch with Bill or just find him on LinkedIn, as he said. Uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing some of Distant Future's own content uh, yes. over the uh, over the next the next few years looking forward to that uh quick content as well um mm. but yeah thanks so much for joining me bill and uh, thanks, for, now, for now thanks for listening thanks for watching uh, if this has been enjoyable or helpful and you'd like more please do subscribe uh, and there is of course more to come next time so we'll see you all soon take care bye-bye you've been listening to the johnny ross audio experience thanks so much for joining me if you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleek.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon. Bye.